Hello and welcome to Code Completion. My name is Dimitri and uh, once again we'd like to do another one of our host spotlight episodes that will release every now and then over the next few months that go over our own background so you can kind of learn a bit uh, more about how we got into development and what our current interests are. Um, so today uh, we have Johnny here. Hey everyone. Um, and uh, we will be skipping complete the code and compiler error and those will be back next week. Um, but uh, hopefully we have tons to learn about Johnny so that we can kind of see how we all took our unique paths to get into development and how we got to where we are today. So before we get started, this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Hungry. Hungry, that's Hungry with three U's, is the iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch app you turn to when you really want to eat but are blinded by the multitude of choices available to you and your insatiable hunger. Hungry isn't here to help you discover new restaurants or flavors. No, it has a much more humble purpose. You tell it all about your favorite restaurants, and it de will deploy its cryptographically advanced random number generator, invoked by shaking your phone in frustration, to make the decision of what to eat for you. Stuck at home in quarantine and sick of ordering pizza? Use Hungry. Did Hungry just suggest pizza again? Don't fret, as options for another cuisine, a cheaper option, something closer, or simply another option are just a button away. Hungry also comes with a collection of fun animated iMessage stickers so you can share your hunger with others. Thanks again to Hungry for sponsoring our show. Search for Hungry, that's H-U-U-U-N-G-R-Y, on the App Store today to give it a try. So, Johnny, how did you get into development? Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't have a, a typical path. Um, so I actually went to BYU and studied um, business management with an emphasis in organizational behavior and human resources. So uh, definitely not uh, anything tech. Um, I, I, my first job out of college was working in an HR department. Um, so I worked in an HR department. I uh, oversaw like training and development there and then was sort of the benefits administrator. Um, so pretty much the farthest away thing from, from being a developer. Um, so after, after actually working in HR, I realized that it wasn't really something that I loved or that I enjoyed doing. And, um, so I began another job search, um, really open to, to any sort of opportunities. Um, and, uh, went to a tech startup where I worked as a data analyst. Um, so I, I worked with different clients, helping them sort of write SQL-like queries to uh, format their databases and to kind of give them helpful metrics so that they could make, you know, strategic business decisions. And it was as I was learning SQLite that for this job, I, that I was like, wow, it's so cool to be able to, to write a few lines of, of code, if you will, to sort of, you know, solve a problem. Um, and so after that job, I decided to, to go to a coding boot camp, and, um, and I, I would, I've always been like an Apple fanboy. I've always really enjoyed, um, you know, iPhones and, and Apple tech. Uh, and so I knew that the kind of coding I wanted to do was iOS development. And it also helped that my brother had, had sort of taken that path of, of getting into iOS development as well. So it was something I was, I was familiar with. Um, so I went to I went to this this code boot camp, um, 
it was super short. I mean, six weeks of instruction and then six weeks of sort of project time. And, you know, I'd like to say I learned a lot. I don't think that I actually had learned that much. Um, but, you know, lucky enough, the, the company that I work for now, day one, uh, you know, they took a chance on me as, a, as an intern, brought me in. Uh, I felt like I relearned pretty much everything um, there. And, uh, and then, yeah, after the internship, I, you know, I started on full time and I've been there for about three years now. So, yeah, it, it's oftentimes just getting started. That's enough to kind of get you in that path. Um, when you were when you were yeah. learning SQL, was that something that they just taught you on the job? Yeah, so they they had uh, they had like a shared shared credential for like Udemy for like a Udemy SQL for beginner course. Um, And so when I started there, they're just like, here, watch this. And yeah, you just I sort of learned it from there and then got like a multitude of questions from all of my different clients because, you know, I had I had, you know, I managed probably anywhere from like 50 to 80 different clients who all have different databases and data sets that they're using. And they all want different things, different KPIs and metrics set up. So it was really just a lot of like, okay, I, I'll try to figure out the SQL query to be able to get that for you. So, um, but yeah, so it was really just, I didn't come in with any knowledge of, of SQL at all. It was just all on the job training. Got it. It seems like you had a lot of problem solving skills to be able to be able to pull that off uh, at all. Uh, otherwise it's, it's this obscure black box that you're kind of dealing with um, and needing to find like new queries to kind of work with that data. That's, that's impressive. So did yeah. you have any sort of, uh, I don't want to say like programming experience because I don't think you did, but any uh, tech fascination aside from being an Apple fanboy, as you said, like, did you like taking apart computers or customizing them? Uh, anything of the sort before this? Yeah, honestly, no. It's it's always just been, uh, you know, I started out with my iPod Mini, and you know, even you know, I I always upgrade my new phones, and I'm I'm that kind of Apple fanboy where it's like I always need the latest in tech. I mean, this started way back when the iPod Mini came out, and then the Nano came out shortly, and then the video came out short, like. And so I kept upgrading to like the latest Apple thing, um, even when I was still in high school. And and yeah, so that was that was the the main fascination for tech was just, oh, what is Apple doing? This is so cool, you know. So yeah, awesome. So what was it like jumping from six six weeks of experience of uh, developing to your first job as an intern? What was that experience like? Yeah, so um, the the transition was was pretty nice. I was I was actually really surprised when I had my interview for the internship. It was it was really relaxed. Um, you know, they asked me one question about like what the difference was between a class and a struct, which I feel like is the only coding question that like my boot camp said like they're gonna ask you this. <laughs> and so that was like the one question that I was prepared for. And so when they asked, I was like, all right, like. They, they knew, they knew exactly what I needed to know. And that was really the only tech question I got um, in the interview, which looking back on it, it's like, I don't, they probably should have asked me more because I don't, I don't know if I would have passed the interview with more questions. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a pretty smooth transition. They were, um, you know, they, they understood that I was, that I was new. They had had people from my boot camp work there before. Um, so I think they knew kind of what to expect from me. Um, and so it started off with like really small bug fixes of like, you know, change the color of this or move this button five points, which, you know, honestly moving buttons can sometimes take a whole day if you're messing with a bunch of constraints and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, the, the transition was, was nice, started with smaller tickets. And then my first big assignment was, um, working with like a share extension. So like rebuilding our entire share extension. Uh, and then nobody there had taken ownership for the watch app. Um, and it needed some, some major updates. We had it added, uh, like audio recording to the, to the phone app. And they were like, well, let's add that to the watch app so that we can record audio on the watch and then send it up to the phone. And, um, so those were my two first, like real big projects. And those were a bit daunting because share extensions, it's sort of like, you feel like you're like siloed and like, how do I get all the code from the main app over into this share extension and have them like talk to each other. And then similarly with the watch, uh, especially in like, I mean, I'm pretty sure watch uh, development is a lot easier now and a lot more robust, but back in that day, it was like sent. Yeah. It was like sending packages of strings like back and forth. And it's like, I feel like pretty limited and like, you know, this is telling, I need to tell my watch, like which pre which preferences are available. Like if the, if the user can even use audio recording because it's a premium feature. So we need to like send a little package of, you know, a little like user info dictionary with all these prefs in it and sort of parse the strings and, you know, use that to, to decide how this watch app is going to work. So uh, both of those were kind of mystifying experiences of like getting out of the main app where I felt comfortable and getting into sort of these external, um, extensions i guess you could say and was this like several months into working there or did, was it like after three weeks you're just kind of diving deep into the deep end of ios extensions it was probably within the first couple months yeah i don't remember the exact timeline but i just remember starting on the share extension and being like this is wow and i remember how long it took me so long to figure it out um and and the watch stuff as well and and it's funny because I'll still have to go back to like the watch stuff hasn't really been touched since I did that. You know, I've made a few updates since then, but uh, it's funny going back to that code that like hasn't really been messed with. But besides me, when I was new mm -hmm. and being like, wow, like I just like even the names of my classes, my use of camel case. It was just like I didn't not, I had no idea what I was doing when I wrote all of this. <laughs> Yeah, we so. we often tell our, our students, because both of us are instructors now, we often tell our students, uh, there's no worse programmer than like past you. So always leave comments, mm -hmm. always leave good commits, because past you <laughs> is a real thing. And past you will come back to bite you <laughs> in the future if you're not careful. Totally. Uh, and, and no matter how yeah. much experience you have, past you is always the worst, because they don't think like you for some reason. It's like, what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so true. Um, so kind of as as an instructor, we, we often have a lot of students that wonder what that first job is going to be like. And I'm assuming 
uh, when you joined the team, you were joining as a junior, right? They had that full expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, So were you able to get uh, mentorship and help when you needed it? Or were you kind of on your own uh, for a lot of tasks? Yeah. Um, You know, and I, I, I don't know how it is in every company, mm-hmm. but I was I was definitely able to get a, a lot of mentorship and help. Like I said, you know, we're a team of six. Yeah, I think we're five or six right now. Um, and three of us all went to the same like coding boot camp, right? So like they the people that had been to the boot camp before, they knew what it was like to be an intern. They knew what it was like to be me. So they were always happy and willing to help me. Um, and then we have we had a senior developer who um, he's, he's a really good teacher and, you know, has done a ton to, to help me learn. And, and he was actually one of the reasons, I mean, I, as I said, my brother was pretty well connected in the iOS development world. And so as I was going to this code boot camp, he, um, he had, he knew who was at, at day one. And so when we'd go to sort of these meetups, he'd be like, oh, I really want you to meet. Uh, this senior engineer, I like, I really want you to work with him because I think he'll teach you a lot. Um, and so, you know, the stars aligned and, and it just so happened that I got to go work at the same company as this senior engineer that he wanted me to learn from. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, my iOS development knowledge uh, is, you know, definitely comes from my mentors and, and the people that helped me as I got started. And when you sort of did need help, how did you go about like asking? Did you just reach out to the person? Like, what was that process? Because I, I know it can feel intimidating uh, for someone just starting out. It's <laughs> like these people, these seniors, uh, they have a mountain of knowledge and they don't want to be uh, bugged by uh, lowly me asking the silly questions over and over again. So what's what do you kind of recommend uh, to someone that's just joining a team that needs to ask questions, but perhaps too shy or not sure how to go ahead and ask, what sort of advice would you have for them? Yeah. Well, I think that there's a, there's a good balance to strike when it comes to, to asking questions because um, it can be easy to sort of get to get too comfortable with asking questions that it's like the second you can't figure something out on your own, you're like, Oh, I'm going to ask someone. Um, but like, the the most learning that you're going to get in iOS development is not knowing how to do something, right? And having to look at documentation, maybe having to look at tutorials. Um, and so there were certainly times where um, I, I got too comfortable asking uh, the senior engineer questions and uh, it was really sort of, you know, stopping my, my learning. I, I was, I was so reliant on him that I, that I couldn't do much. Um, but, you know, but, depending on the the culture of the company, I think, you know, they want you to ask questions. They want you to learn. They understand that you're a junior developer and that you're not going to know everything, but they also expect you to take some time to like figure it out. And I think that's why, you know, as an instructor, we ask our students, like, don't ask for help until you've spent like at least 20 minutes on, on working on this problem on your own. Cause you know, once you have that crutch there and you think like the crutch is always available, you're always going to use it. Um, and even still as, you know, I sometimes I still feel like a junior developer, even though I've been doing this for three years, I still have to reach out to my senior developer at times for help. And, you know, obviously the problems I'm trying to solve are a lot more complex than when I was a junior. Um, but, you know, they're still willing to help. They still, you know, 
we work for the same company. We have the same mission. We want each other to be successful. So uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, but also don't be afraid to to spend some time in the dark uh, not knowing how to do something because that's when you're sort of going to level up and, and develop your skills. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell my students this all the time. There's, uh, there's some students are comfortable just DMing me uh, for some reason to ask directly. And I always tell them, ask public, like re-ask this question in a public channel and I'll answer it there because the best skill that you can kind of nurture while you're still learning is how to ask questions. There's so many times where mm-hmm. you just don't know how to phrase the question or you don't know how to explain what you've tried and why it didn't work uh, as like trying to find that proper solution that you just kind of give up and just ask someone because you're hoping that they kind of have the same experience that you uh, have had and therefore they can kind of dive in and get to that answer very quickly. But oftentimes you're you're on your own. You need to search Google and you need to know what to type in Google to get yeah. the answer you, you want to find. You need to know once you <laughs> totally. find the, the Stack Overflow question that's in Google, you need to know how to scan through all those answers to be able to tell this one's bogus, this one's bogus, this one's bogus. Oh, this one's related to what I want to know um, and be able to do that very fast. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes you might like ask a senior and they have no clue. So they go to Google, they type some gibberish out. You're like, why did they think to search that? But lo and behold, they command click a few of the links and very quickly just scan through four stack overflow questions and find the answer that they want. Um, And it's more often than not, they know the answer already. They just forgot how it worked. So they just need that quick reminder, that quick uh, tick of inspiration uh, to kind of remember how to approach that problem. Uh, and then once they find it, they're kind of good to go. So oftentimes development yeah, totally. is not about like remembering every answer under the sun. It's about remembering how to ask the question to get the answer uh, that you're looking for, because there's no way we can remember everything. UIKit is massive. Uh, and now you have to learn UIKit and SwiftUI. So it's like, you're not going to be able to remember everything. But if you can remember just the little pieces to get you that answer, that's like totally way worth it. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny, what are your current interests as a developer at the moment? Like what kind of APIs and frameworks are you really fascinated by? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, um, I, I've become more excited about Swift UI as, as I've used it. Um, I, I think I was, I was a little bit apprehensive at the beginning. It just, and, and it still does, it feels so different. Um, it's like, it just, even though it's Swift, right? Like it just feels, it's a different way of thinking, right? Cause like the architecture of it is, is different. Um, like having sort of these, these grouped elements, um, you know, building out your view, but they have like no knowledge of each other, right? Like previously we could use like outlets and IB actions and like we could use those wherever we wanted in the code. Like they were available anywhere inside of the class, but now you've like, you've got these separate UI elements and they don't know like, oh, I don't know that there's necessarily that switch there. I don't know that there's this view. They're all sort of referencing these, you know, these state properties. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool once you learn how to use it. And, um, but it's, it's such a different mind shift from what I had experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm starting to get more into it, um, 
whenever I like approach having to like build out a view controller, building it with UI kit just feels like yucky. Like it just like, oh, there's so many things involved. Like it's like, you know, this table, I have to go build this custom cell and like set up all these constraints. And it's like in Swift UI, I could have this in like three lines and it works perfectly. Like, uh, so it's, I'm, I'm starting to move more into the buy-in of, uh, of Swift UI. And, um, and, you know, so I love taking opportunities to, to learn Swift UI. Um, other, other specific frameworks, I don't know. I, at day one, I'm, I work in so many different things um, that I don't know if I have a favorite. I just enjoy being able to get into something new, right? And that's that's one of the things that I enjoy most about being a programmer is it's like, I'm not doing the same thing every day. It's what bug am I, am I trying to learn today? And, you know, what do I have to learn to be able to solve this? And so it's a really learning focused um career which which i really enjoy yeah it, it certainly never ends right <laughs> yep <laughs> you have to you have to constantly stay on top of things um and the easiest way to do that is to be genuinely fascinated uh by it and it's it's easier to get genuinely fascinated by it once you start understanding it more right um like at the beginning mm -hmm. you might not totally. understand any of it and it's like why would anyone be interested in any of this uh, and they start learning how things are put together. And then you become curious about like, how did they put that together? And I want to, I want to be able to build that same thing. Um, so very much is, mm -hmm. uh, is an endless learning opportunity uh, and an endless learning obligation at the same time. Totally. Yeah. And like when I first started, I remember always thinking like, oh, tutorials are like the only way to learn anything. And it's because I would open Apple's documentation and I just did not understand the documentation. Like it made no sense to me. Like even just seeing like in it, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what is the in it? Like, I, I don't know. I obviously I didn't learn very much. Right. If I didn't even understand like what the in it was trying to tell me um, because I thought like you had to specifically call like in it instead of, you know, creating a new instance, blah, blah, blah. But um, but once you learn to actually read Apple's documentation, it opens up a world of like possibilities because, you know, they, their documentation certainly has weaknesses from time to time, but, but the documentation is, is generic enough to be able to like get the things from it that you need to apply to your app. Whereas when you start doing like tutorials and whatnot, it's like, you gotta go step by step. Okay. First, we're going to set up a single view app and like, you have to go through like all of these hoops in order to get to like the one part that you actually care about. But yeah, once you learn to actually look at documentation and read it in like a generic way, uh, it's though like the world is your oyster, right? Like you can do pretty much anything once you, once you learn to, to read and understand Apple's documentation. Mm -hmm. And, and aside from documentation, there's also Apple's WWDC videos, which are a wealth of mm -hmm. information. Um, and if, totally. if you're an iOS developer, it's on you to kind of keep up with those because there are a ton of them that get released at the same time every year. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's almost so much information that it's tough to keep up with. Right. Mm -hmm. And totally. But as long as you watch them, right. You, you remember, I think I watched a video about this. I'm going to go rewatch that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so you may not remember everything, but you'll at least remember that like it's been talked about before. You've indexed it, so <laughs> just enough to be able to find yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And 
like for for myself my first wwdc i was like barely 18 um and that was because you had to be 18 or older to go to them uh unlike now Mm -hmm. um so i like my direct comparison was uh either high school classes or my first uh college lectures uh and I always found WWDC way more interesting than the college lectures because that was something that I was genuinely passionate about. Um, what were your thoughts kind of seeing one of the of those sessions for the first time? Was it something interesting? Was it something so overwhelmingly uh, technical dense, <laughs> technically dense that it was kind of like boring? Uh, how was that for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was a little bit of both. It depends on the session that you watch. Um, there are some sessions that I still watch and I'm like, I have no idea what they're like, what they're even talking about, especially as you, as the Swift UI videos come out and they're like talking about like combine and syncing and publishing and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, it's so new and like overwhelming. And it's like, I don't even know like how I would use this at this point. Um, and I think that's kind of the feeling during WWDC. Like I said, it's just kind of try to soak in as much as you can. Um, and then, you know, as your need for doing that kind of thing comes up, you'll eventually find a way to use the things that they've talked about. Um, so in my early days, especially, uh, more of the WWDC videos were, were confusing to me and, uh, you know, learning to follow like their code snippets and it's like, what the heck? They just pushed one button and all of a sudden they have like a hundred lines of code. Like, how did they do that? That's, that's crazy. Like, you know, they've got snippets. So um but yeah like it's it's exciting um to be to be there to be involved to sort of learn from the masters learn from those that have actually built these APIs how how it's supposed to work and i think it's it's just a fun community and environment to be a part of um i've never been able to like attend a live session um but you know at work during that whole week like we're given the freedom to to watch sessions together got the nice big screen we watch them together, we can pause them, we can talk about the things and how they apply to, to what we're, we're currently working on. Um, so it's, it's one of the most exciting weeks of the year for me, honestly, is, is being able to listen to WWDC and see like how technology is, is progressing. Mm-hmm. And now that they're almost entirely virtual, there's almost no benefit to like being there in person, especially if you don't have to spend... Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, $1,600 for the ticket, and then spoiler alert number two, $4,000 for a hotel room uh, because San Francisco and San Jose are (laughs) atrociously expensive. Um, So if you can have your company pay for that, you are tremendously lucky. Uh, If you're kind of going on your own dime, that's uh, almost a fool's errand unless you have a very good reason to be going there to network with other developers. But the energy Mm -hmm. that you're describing is absolutely real. Like everyone just kind of stops everything that they're doing and building a new project, playing around with those new APIs, seeing what's uh, possible. And that energy is like everywhere. You, you really feel like you, you can build anything uh, with all the new stuff. That's totally. Um, Yeah. So aside from development, are there any interests that are kind of like borrowing from your developer's mind? Um, at all. So for example, uh, as soon as I kind of became a developer, I started having the mindset of, oh, there's a bug in real life. This doorknob does not twist exactly the way it should. I could fix that. Um, so that's a, perhaps a bad example. But uh, are there any facets of your everyday life that have changed ever since you kind of became a developer? 
Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I feel like ever since I've become the developer, I've become like the token IT person in my family, both my wife's family and my family. That's like, oh, like my computer's not working or my phone's not working or you work for Apple, right? Uh, you know, this app, this app isn't working, right? It sort of like all comes on me as sort of the like the token developer IT guy that's like, I can fix all things tech. Um, so that's certainly, you know, it's not a day-to-day -day thing, but it, it, I often get requests. My mom will FaceTime me and be like, why can't I log into this? And it's just like, all right, let's figure <laughs> it out. Like, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure most of us have experienced that, right? It's like, as soon as like, we're the computer guru, like we're the, we solve all tech problems. Like, oh, your TV's not working. It's not turning on. Like, let's call Johnny up. Like, <laughs> Johnny will be able to debug this. <laughs> So, yes, because I can debug apps, I apparently can debug every every piece of tech, whether it's a speaker or a TV or anything. And, you know, we eventually figure it out because, uh, you know, those those types of bugs are generally, oh, like you need to just plug it in or, oh, this thing is fried. It's never going to work again. Like it's a simple solution. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I, I I'll be sure to forward my requests over to you because I've long stopped <laughs> accepting those. Um, and I, I'll, I'll put it this way: I begrudgingly accept them. So I make it painfully obvious that I do not want to be in the situation that they are putting me in. I will fix their <laughs> issue, or I'll try to try to fix it. Uh, but that's it's it's going to be a painful experience for both of us. Uh, and that has lessened yeah. the load, thankfully enough. Um, and <laughs> you kind of have to do that because as soon as you, you are that person in someone's life that knows a little bit more about computers, you are the de facto person that they're mm -hmm. going to ask for everything. Um, and the worst case is when they ask totally. you something that you have no clue about. Uh, it's like, for me, mm -hmm. it's how do I fix the printer on my windows computer? I'm like, I don't even know how to use a windows computer. I know there's a start menu yeah, somewhere. I don't even know how to turn that yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know the start menu has disappeared. That's, that's the, my extent. I have no idea where the printer would be. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's not much that we can do in many situations. So we kind of have to set expectations. Yeah. Um, and anyone who's kind of getting into development, you're surely feeling this. The second thing people are going to start to assume is you work for Apple, no matter what you do, uh, because you make apps. So you must mm -hmm. work for Apple, right? Uh, hopefully that sentiment has right. been going down lately. Um, I haven't been meeting new people, so less chance for them to kind of re-ask me that question. So I don't know if it's still going on, but um, that is a second thing that everyone just starts to assume little by little. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, as kind of like the last topic of questions I wanted to ask you, assuming you had unlimited mm -hmm. time and unlimited budget and you're just free to chase your curiosities what would you dive into next whether it's tech related or complete tech unrelated yeah i think um tech related i would i would want to spend a lot more time uh learning swift ui um i you know i have books i have you know there's the paul hudson's like 100 days of swift ui that are all things that like I would love to to get into and spend more time on, but I, at my current job, I wear many hats and I unfortunately can't take a lot of time to like sort of sit down and, and learn things that aren't directly related to, to what I'm working on. So I would definitely want to spend more time uh, with SwiftUI because I think 
I think it is the future, um, you know, whether that be in two years or five years or 10 years, I don't know. Um, but I think that, that things will move in that direction of, of Swift UI. And uh, so having a good understanding of, of the APIs associated with Swift UI, um, knowing how to, you know, set up view models and whatnot, um, I, would, I would definitely want to spend more time there because I feel still feel a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to like having to solve issues when it comes to Swift UI and especially like debugging Swift UI is, it's just, again, it's different, right? Like it's, you, you can't like put these breakpoints exactly how you want them. Um, you know, it, some of it's, there's overlap for sure, but the debugging process feels different. So uh, I'd love to spend more time in, in that. Um, I think ultimately, uh, you know, as I as I sort of move in in my career tra trajectory, is being more involved in like big picture stuff for applications. So like at my current job, working more on like business strategy type stuff of like what are the the features that we can add to give us like a competitive advantage or to improve this or that. Um, so, you know, maybe it's blasphemous to say on this on this podcast, but like. I don't know if I like want to always be coding. Like, I think I'll always have an interest in coding and always like enjoy building stuff. But I think ultimately I want to move more into like letting other people build stuff and let me be like the visionary of like what to build. Um, and so I would spend more time learning sort of product management um, and sort of developing A-B testing and whatnot for applications. And it's interesting you say that because that ties a tiny bit into what you were originally studying, right? Uh, the more business side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's oftentimes the case that I, I try to explain to people is development is just a tool. Like it's not, it's mm -hmm. not the end result. Like we as developers, I'm sure there are some uh, that do uh, strive to develop just to be writing code. But for a lot of us, writing code is just a tool to be building what we want to build or to get the result that we want to get. So um, it's a tremendously useful tool because it turns out you can build, you can invent new things with just a computer. Like mm -hmm. you don't need to have an entire workshop at your disposal to kind of play around with uh, actual like substances and, and uh, three-dimensional objects that you need to combine and make sure they don't collapse and kill people. Like none of that is in the in the picture when you're a developer because you can just play around. You have a simulator right in front of you. The computer is your simulation, uh, so you can kind of play mm -hmm. and see what will happen in all sorts of variety of situations. Um, so there are certainly those that kind of like that aspect of it, but there are many others that just want to mm -hmm. build something, and this is the tool to build it, just like any other skill. Ultimately, like you learn engineering not to be an engineer, but to build a bridge. Um, so there's mm -hmm. there's those aspects of development that are certainly kind of glossed over uh, many times because a lot of people concentrate on, oh, you need to have a computer science degree and you need to have a genuine fascination in coding, 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 when ultimately you're just coding to achieve a goal, um, whatever totally. that goal yep. is. Um, yeah. So I had one final question for you and we didn't touch on it too much, but how did you kind of make that transition from junior developer to mid-level developer to instructor teaching others about development. How was that transition <laughs> uh, for you? Yeah, so I um, <laughs> I became an instructor probably just like a couple, I think it was a couple months after I finished my own program. 
um, it wasn't it wasn't like the the instruction that I do right now. So so the code school that I work at now is uh, they used to have uh, like an intro to iOS course, and they you know the company was still pretty new, so there wasn't a lot of people. Um, you know, there to do the job. And, and, you know, I had some connections at, at Lambda and, you know, Spencer was there. I, Spencer was actually, Spencer from this podcast was actually like my main instructor at my code school. So I learned a lot from him. And so he was at the same code school and, uh, you know, talking and working with them, they were like, oh yeah, we need somebody to, to teach this intro to iOS course. And so I was kind of going over the principles of Swift and setting up like a basic table view and a detailed view. Um, and so it was all stuff that I, I felt relatively good about teaching because, you know, I had learned it. And so I knew like the Swift principles and concepts. Now, anytime a student asked me like, well, why is it that way? I was just like, uh, I don't I don't know. Don't worry about that right now. Just you want to know how to, you know, set up a loop or whatnot. Like <laughs> that's all you got to worry about. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity came for me to move out of this intro to iOS course and to actually teach, you know, the students who were in the program. And I remember there were a few lessons that literally like my preparation for the lesson was the first time I had ever seen any of that stuff. And so I had to like learn it right before I was about to teach it. And, um, you know, and so that's the importance of being able to, like, as a developer, like being able to know how to learn things. Um, because I think that that skill is what kicked in. It's like, I've never used this before, but I'm going to learn it right now so that I can teach it. And, you know, it's possible my students may have noticed a little bit like, eh, he seems kind of iffy about this topic, but, but I definitely felt like I, I pulled it off like well enough for the students to understand what they needed to. Um, so the transition, at least there at the beginning, was sort of that that imposter syndrome. That's like I'm about to teach something that I've literally just learned. Like I've never used this like in real life. Um, but it, but now like you know, after teaching it so many times, that I had the opportunity to learn those things myself, um, and now can teach them more confidently. Uh, but yeah, there at the beginning, it was sort of like. Okay, learn, teach, learn, teach, learn, teach, um, and you know somehow pulled it off. But it, but it was definitely a, a, an awesome experience for my learning as a junior, because I think that one of the best ways to learn something is learn it well enough to teach it. Right, like as soon as you have to teach something, it sort of kicks you into gear of like, well, I've, I've got to learn this. I've got to figure it out because I have to. I have to teach it to somebody else. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's like two major benefits to you as someone with not necessarily a mountain of experience going into teaching others. One, you mm-hmm. learn very well those those things that you need to teach because there's no better way to learn something than to teach it to others and realize where your own deficiencies are because it becomes instantly, mm-hmm. if it's not obvious to the student, it's instantly obvious to you because you're like, um, how should I explain this in a way that I currently understand that's not going to confuse the student because ultimately mm-hmm. there's varying levels and ways that you can explain something. There's the black box. Oh, it works this way because this is the way it works uh, all the way down to, Oh, mm-hmm. uh, there are electrons and they move in this way. And that's what ultimately causes the pixel on your screen to change color. And it look like you're scrolling. Like you can go anywhere in between that range to kind of explain something, but mm-hmm. to a student who's just learning something, knowing the why is not important. 
It's knowing the how to mm-hmm. get something there and get that muscle memory going so that way you can just use it. And it's a practical tool that in your tool belt. Afterwards, you can learn the why. Um, so that that's yeah. definitely a benefit to you as someone just coming in uh, to instruct. You can kind of learn those things. Um, and as a secondary benefit to the student, you were just in their shoes not too long ago. You know what it's like to have those same struggles. You know what those specific pain points are so you can focus on them. Um, something that's extremely difficult for someone like me who has a wealth of experience but hasn't really spent a lot of time with people that don't know much about programming and teaching right. the programming, I have to completely change my own mindset uh, to a way that someone else will understand. And very often times my explanation may go way over their head and they don't know they don't know what the next question to ask is because they didn't understand the answer to the question they asked. Uh, and that's intimidating. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. having someone with a ton of experience is not what you always want uh, in an instructor. It's someone who uh, has been in your shoes but knows a bit more enough to explain it to the level that you need it to be explained, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So is there anything else you would like to share with our lovely, lovely audience uh, in terms of your own experience and things that they should kind of strive to as potentially junior developers or senior developers or mid-level developers or people wanting to be instructors or any of the above? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say, you know, there's, there's a common, um, there's like a common acronym in, in sales. that's like, you know, ABC, right? Like always be closing. And I would say to ver- for developers, it's ABL, like always be learning, you know, that there's, there's so much information out there. There's so much to learn, so many APIs to get involved in and to learn. Um, and so don't be, you know, don't be overwhelmed with how much there is to learn. And, uh, but just, just continue to enjoy learning and, and building and developing things. Um, and then for, for, if you're looking for a specific job, like I've talked about this on the show before, but like find your niche, right? Like find what are the APIs that interest you most? What do you enjoy working on? Start building apps that that focus on using those APIs so that when you go to, you know, I, I'm really into fitness. Like I've used all of the health kit APIs and the fitness APIs, core motion, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, you go to Nike and say, look, I know these APIs, like, like the back of my hand. I, I know how to set up this and this and this. So find your niche, find the thing that, that interests you most. Um, so that as you go into those job interviews, you'll, you'll just, you know, you'll kill it. Right. Definitely. So thank you so much, Johnny, for kind of diving into all these like intimate details about how you got uh, into development, how you kind of express yourself as a developer. Um, it, it was really fascinating learning from that point of view because it's been so long for myself to kind of uh, be even close to that beginning stage. Like for me, I was just a kid uh, kind of learning about this and learning about it, not even knowing it would become a career uh, for the most part. So it's, it's very fascinating hearing it from the other point of view of someone who's actively pursued it in terms of trying to find a career. Um, it's it, it's it's yeah. truly interesting. Thanks. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great discussion. Um, so as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there are any topics you'd like us uh, to dig into um, or anything that we talked about this episode that you kind of want to 
learn more about. Uh, most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's really your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Uh, so once again, my name is Dimitri, uh, and I was joined today by Johnny, who you can find at Johnny D. Hicks, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-D-H-I-C-K-S on Twitter, uh, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.